Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. We're going to begin to read with verse number 7. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, beginning to read with verse number 7. When you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll remember, if, you're, if you've read it all, you'll find that, uh, that Solomon is speaking a lot about vanity. Is, now, is, he not, is he not speaking about things that are vain? Things that You might say Solomon's come to the place in his life and he's uh, looking back and he's talking about, maybe thinking about what's worth what. What's worth what. You know, it, there's a whole lot we, we give a whole lot of time for that winds up being vain things. Vain, things that don't really amount to anything. Things that really don't matter. So in the, third, in the ninth chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we come to the, <coughs> a chapter where that, that Solomon is speaking here and, and, <coughs> and as he speaks in about the first three verses, he uh, speaking about things that happen that are good as well as bad and how that we can't change them. They're just acceptable things and anything we do to try to change them, well, it's really vanity. And... Uh, he said, well, I considered in my heart even to declare all things that is righteous and wise and the works in his hand. No man knoweth, it is said. Uh, no man knoweth either love or hatred by all. Uh, there is all, all of them. All things come alike to all. Well, he's just going on talking to us about the process of life and, and what all comes about by it. Verse number four, we'll find that, uh, that he begins to talk about the necessity those things that necessarily come about, that there's going to be death. There's really nothing we can do about death. Life, if not live for the Lord, maybe in our own words, life, if not live for the Lord, is vanity. It's vain. And we got to be real careful about, the, about how, what we put is important in our life. We're going to begin to read this evening with verse number 7 and read down through verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 <clears throat> going to continue the thought on the exceptional man tonight, and uh, we've, uh, it's maybe not going to be as, as, as rough, maybe it's what, as, as, as others have been, uh, but yet it is something that is missing today uh, in, in society in general, and uh, that is the exceptional man's, y'all hold on now, the exceptional man's gumption, the exceptional man's gumption. All right, we'll, we'll get to more about that in just a minute. I know somebody said, well, I don't even know what that means. Maybe you will before it's all over with tonight, okay? Uh, well, maybe you'll understand more about it when we're done. Look with me in the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, beginning with verse number 7. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now, now accepteth thy works. <clears throat> let thy garment be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the, all the days of thy life of thy vanity, which he hath <clears throat> given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou, which thou takest under the sun. Look at verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with, with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege one more time 
that we can stand tonight and preach the Word of God. God give us the grace. God help us to be a blessing. That's all we want to do tonight. We don't want to make a name for ourselves. We don't want nothing said good about us. Lord God, but if we could have make a difference in the lives of, of men and men today, Lord, if we could train up young men that be godly young men and exceptional young men. And Lord, we that are here today that's, uh, that's lived the biggest majority of our life, Lord, if we could look at what days we have left and, and strive to be that exceptional person that lived beyond mediocrity and yet, Lord, stand heads above the others, God, would you give us grace that this could be accomplished here. Bless us, Lord. Help us, God, to honor you in our life. Save those tonight that are lost, I pray, for it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The exceptional man's gumption. <clears throat> the Bible said in that last verse, in verse number 10, the Bible said, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might. Now, I told you, uh, when we well, just a moment ago, maybe the question is, well, what is? I've never heard that word gumption. What is gumption? And uh, actually, if you look up the word gumption in your Webster's 1828, there is a definition there. It is there. It is a real word. It's not something uh, that's made up. It's not slang or anything like that. It is a word. The definition for the word gumption is boldness of enterprise, initiative. Or aggressiveness. Listen to this. Guts. Spunk. And common sense. Alright. Boy there's a lot of that liking today aren't there? There's a lot of that liking when it comes to men anymore. It seemed like liberalness. And, and the liberalness of the world. And, and the women's lib organizations. As what we would call it today. Uh, a, a man that has uh, exceptional engumption is maybe the least thing that's being looked at today, looked for. But I would to God this evening uh, that we'd still train young men to, to have gumption. Uh, you still train young men to have boldness of enterprise, uh, have an initiative and aggressiveness about their life. One of the most frustrating things for a man, and I know this because I, I've gotten to the age where I can't do anymore what I used to could be able to do. One of the most frustrating things for a man is not to be able to do something that he needs to have done. That, that gets frustrating. Uh, you know, a man's supposed to, we're expected to fix it, don't you think so? Uh, we're expected to have the answers. Uh, we're expected to know what to do and how to do. We're, we're expected that. We're, you know, it's somewhat, it's, uh, we're, we're expected to solve the problem, right? Uh, you know, uh, that's a, uh, when the when the, the 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 toilet breaks or the sink breaks at the house, I've never heard one of the youngins uh, holler, "Mama." Okay, it's not it's not happened. Mama hadn't fixed the sink and she hadn't fixed the toilet, and and maybe she has, but uh, you know that's just direct. Amen. You got gumption, okay? All right. <laughs> uh, but uh, but but the, you know, generally speaking, that that what's uh, what's happened is uh, is generally it's it's looked toward the man. The man. Had, has, is to take the initiative to, to, to fix what's broken. And, and in our minds, basically, if we're a man's man, if we want to be that exceptional man, uh, uh, our gumption is a reflection of our manhood. Right? I don't like not being able to do what I used to not used to could do. It, it, it does something. It, it, it bothers me not being able to do what I used to be able to do. And, uh, you know... 
It bothers me not to be the, the problem solver that I could be in at other times. I, I got to thinking about this this morning in my study early. I got to thinking about a car broken down on the side of the road. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've seen it. I've been it a lot of times. Have a, have a lady broke down on the side of the road. Y'all seen it by herself. And maybe she'd have the hood up and she's standing there looking at it. And she don't know what she's looking at. I mean, generally speaking, she don't know a whole lot about what she's looking at. And, and, uh, and, she, and you think about this. Some man drives up there and he gets out of his car and he walks up to where she is. She never asked him the question. How many times you ever, anybody ever done that, been that man that stopped and, and, and tried to help a person? Have you ever been asked the question, do you know anything about cars? Never have. I, I never have either. I've never. They've been a flat tire. I never had a lady ask me, do you know how to change a flat? You know, it's just commonly thought that, well, that's something that a man can do. I, I thought about this this morning. You know what? There's never been one lady that lived on, that, that was broke down on the side of the road that looked for some long-legged blonde in high heels and painted fingernails to come fix her car for. Have, has it? I've never, I've never, never thought, never thought. Now, now the women's lib, I know all of them out there. And hello, those of you on, on Facebook land and everything. Uh, you know, the uh, women's lib, they want to think that, well, you know what we can do? We can do without man. We can do without men, manly men. And we don't really need man anymore. We, and we'll get to more of that in just a moment. I'm here to tell you that what God set up and what God organized is going to be that way until God gets ready to come back or send his son back to catch us away from here. And you're never going to change some things. Now, you may uh, try to blot them out. And you may try to camouflage them and cover them up. But there's still somewhere going to be a, a man that, that wants to be a man that has gumption enough to stand up and to do what he can with all of his might. Uh, I, I don't like, I, I said last week in, in, in preaching that, that I don't really don't like, and I was taught a long time ago to, uh, you know, don't, I don't like a person that, that just does halfway. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Ain't that what we scripture we went through last week? Whatsoever you do, you do it like you're doing it to God. Well, you know what's missing today in, 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 in men is, uh, and I'm talking about in Christian men, I'm talking about men in the church anymore. And listen, we're talking about being exceptional men. Y'all okay with that tonight, ain't you? We, anybody still want to be an exceptional man? I don't mean an average man. We got too many that's average, wouldn't you say? We got too many that just go with the flow, that don't excel in anything. I mean, spiritually speaking, they're not prayer warriors anymore. They're not weepers anymore. They're not Holy Ghost men filled with the Holy Spirit anymore. You just don't find this thing any longer in the church. And we've become mediocre in our service to God. And if we can be exceptional in anything, then we ought to desire to be exceptional in our walk with God. And when I walk with God, what we miss today is boldness of enterprise. That's the first thing uh, that, that the definition of gumption is, uh, uh, that the boldness of enterprise. Uh, uh, gumption is what a man needs uh, uh, to launch out into the deep, okay? But, but bold, uh, gumption is what a man needs uh, uh, to get off the banks and to get into deeper waters. That's what it needs, Jesus. Some of you and some of us have been 
uh, waiting around in the waters of spirituality a, a long time. We've been uh, sitting idle. We've been sitting there fishing off the docks and, and we've not waited out. And, and remember that Jesus told uh, uh, Peter and those disciples to, uh, to launch out into the deep and, and you're not going to catch much uh, when you're hanging around the banks. Uh, uh, but when you get out into the deeper water, uh, that's where the things are uh, that will make a difference. And what we need today is we need men that have a boldness of enterprise that are not afraid uh, to launch out into deeper waters to stand for things and not fall apart alright the scripture Paul said something like this and having done all to stand having done all you know when you get to looking at that and breaking that down that means when you're standing against anything and you're standing against anyone you're still standing. When you're standing and when you're the only one standing, you're still standing. I got to thinking about that and I got to thinking about being an exceptional man and I got to thinking about the pressures of the world. So many people will say, well, you don't need to be separated that far. Uh, you, you know, separation, you almost isolated it because you're, you're so far separated in your spirituality that you're almost, uh, that's, that's a, that, that's a cop-out right there. I'm going to tell you to start with, uh, you know, we ought to be different. We, uh, the Bible tells us we ought to be different. Men ought to be different, uh, just like the women ought to be different. Amen. Uh, right there. Men, men ought to dress different than just like the women ought to. Hey, I'm just telling you how it is tonight uh, but what we need today is we need some men that'll uh, that'll that'll quit uh, uh, riding the fence and start getting start having that that intestinal fortitude and that gumption about them uh, to say I'm tired of living in a state of mediocrity and I want to wait out deeper uh, for the Lord and I want to become something uh, that God's pleased with and I I, I don't want to fall apart I don't want to when, when, when I'm faced with opposition on every hand I don't want to be ones that bows like everybody else. I got to thinking about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I, I could call, I, I could go back and look. I don't really like calling them them names because that was their pagan names. That's all we know about them though. But, uh, and and I, I, I had tried to memorize what their other names were, but I'm not going to worry about that. Now y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all remember when the, when, when, the, when the horns blew and the music played? And there was millions of people in Babylon. There was, there was millions of people probably there that, that heard the command and heard the, uh, the, 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 the tell and heard the cry out uh, for, for them when they hear that music to bow into that image uh, uh, that had been built and uh, that had been made. And, and, and those men, when that sound of that music played, those men everywhere uh, bowed down and, and there was men on their faces bowing to an image uh, and bowing to a God that was not alive. Uh, uh, but somewhere in the midst, uh, uh, you could look out there, you could see three that was not bowing, they was not bending, and they were standing straight up uh, and they were being men of exception. They were different than the other men. Would you not say that? you know what's a shame, folks? Is that we're okay fitting in. Right? Doesn't bother me that I fit in. I like to fit in. When we were in school, I know where we went to school at. 
There was the in crowd, the out crowd, and those who wasn't in a crowd at all. Okay, that was that where you was either a big shot, a little shot, or not no shot at all. Okay, that's just the way it was. And and uh, and if you and, and there were certain things you had to do to fit in. There were certain places you had to go to fit in. There was a certain way you had to dress to fit in. And we say, boy, how childish that is. And it was, it's childish. But you know, we ain't never outgrown it, it seems like. We, we still to the place where that we want to fit into the world. We want to fit in with what the world's idea of us should be. And what we need to be is, is to be exceptional men that has gumption enough to stand against what everybody else is doing. And I'm not talking about be a spectacle and make yourself a spectacle and cry loud. And if, now, if you need to cry loud against it, then cry loud. Uh, but but I'm, I'm speaking of, uh, of being that person that's just unwilling to, uh, to buy. Uh, them boys wasn't trying to draw any attention to themselves. Uh, they wouldn't want to be seen. Them boys wasn't trying to say, look, we're better than the rest. Uh, they were just saying, I'm not bowing to that God. Not falling in that trap. I'm not going in that direction. They stood and they would stand and not fall apart. Men today, a bonus of enterprise would cause a man to look into danger and not flee. Look at failure and continue on. Uh, even death uh, without a flinch. You see, what we need today is exceptional men of God uh, that have enterprise and, and that will have a desire to be faithful to God through it all. That's what our country was built on. America was built on men that thought it in themselves. We may not be as many as what Britain has. We ain't got as many folks as what they got over yonder. But I'm not bowing to what they want me to bow to. We'll stand up. We may not be much, but we'll fight to our end. We'll make a difference if God will bless us to be able to. And they did just that. On the day of July 4, 1776, when they signed that Declaration of Independence, when, when that thing was signed, and for uh, two or three years after that, the war began when, when, it, when the British came over and, and were saying, we're going to teach y'all a lesson. Y'all think y'all independent. I tell you what, uh, they left uh, uh, those years later with an understanding that they weren't fighting against a bunch of pansies, and they weren't fighting against a, little sea, a bunch of little sissies, but they had just ran into some men. That were exceptional men. Men that were different than the rest. That's what we need today in our churches. It's what our country was made of. That's what makes missionaries continue against all odds. It's, a, it's what makes a, a person like you hear about, a, well, Sister Vicki mentioned this morning about missionaries and about in North Korea, about them, what, what's taking place over there. It's what makes men like Ernie Isman uh, say, you know what I'll do? I'll load up a bunch of Bibles and I'll go from China down into North Korea and I'll give the Word of God out and I'll do that. It's what makes him uh, go and uh, do those things. It's what makes men that I'm not able to call their names right now because uh, uh, they're in uh, dangerous territories and they're in places, men, that we got their pictures hanging on the wall and them in, on our wall, men and their wives that are in countries that are closed uh, uh, to the gospel. It's 
is what gives them the intestinal fortitude uh, to stay there. They're t- they didn't want to be uh, a mediocre. They didn't want to be uh, just classified as being fitting in. But they wanted to stand up and be exceptional and do a work for God that God would be pleased with. Where are the men? Where are the men? Got a call, I got a phone call here a few months ago and I called Brother Philip, one of the missionaries, called me from the place where it is. And uh, he said, Brother Bond, he said, I appreciate y'all's support, appreciate everything you do. He said, but on y'all's website, y'all got me listed there as one of your missionaries and they're tightening down. They're tightening down in this country and if they find out, if they see that, they'll throw me out of the country, me and my wife, and I'll not get to come back. Please go there and take that down from your website. I got on Brother Phone. I said, Brother Philip, go take it down. In five minutes, it was gone. Why is it? Because I appreciate what that man's young man's willing to do. Risk his life every day of his life to tell some people about a Jesus. To me, that's an exceptional man. He has gumption. Today, we want him to go across the street. Today, we want him to stand, most want him to stand on the street corner. Today, most of us have got, we're too important or too embarrassed, one of the two, to knock on the door. Are you an exceptional man? Where's your gumption? Preacher, you're challenging us. I know that. I'm challenging myself. The Word of God without a challenge is not the Word of God at all. You see, all these things that I've mentioned come from gumption. Not quitting and giving up when things get tough. Not taking your ball and going to the house when you get your feelings hurt. But standing true and standing firm and standing for a purpose. And that purpose is not your purpose for your name or for your glory, but it's for the glory of God and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And beyond anything else, let the world see that there's somebody that lives in you that's bigger than you, that's bigger than this building, that's bigger than this church, and His name is the Lord Jesus. And we all we want to do is exemplify His love and His character. And listen, if you want to see gumption, you just see what He did. You just look at what He did. What is missing today what is missing is that is is the the fact of, of of a boldness of enterprise. And secondly, we find initiative is missing. Initiative is missing. Y'all hold on now. What are you talking about? An initiative, preacher, seeing something that needs to be done and not doing anything about it is a disease among men today. I'm talking about Christian men. I'm talking about church men. Seeing something that needs to be done and not doing anything about it. Making it always be somebody else's responsibility rather than my own. Well, so-and-so always takes care of that. Okay? What do you take care of? Initiative. 
believe an exceptional man has initiative. I believe what we'll see in, in an exceptional man is that there's the desire and an unction and a gumption to find what needs to be done and do it. They don't have to be patted on the back. They don't have to be one that has their name called or has their name in lights or have a title on their name. They're the ones that do it. Under, I, I pastored Bethel Hill Church for about almost nine years. And there was a man that went to church there. And I, I couldn't use this old boy for an example about a whole lot of things except initiative. His name was Brother Jerry Sims. And he was crazy as a runover dog. I'm talking about he didn't have good walking around. He's just a nut. That's just, I mean, that's just what he was. You know what I never did? In nine years, I never walked, pulled up to that church and seen a sprig of grass up to my ankles. Never. You know what else I never did, Brother Philip? I never knew who mowed the churchyard. Nobody ever told me. I never asked. Until after I left, he died. And I heard a debate among some of the folks. I reckon who's going to mow now? He took care of the church. He took care of the cemetery. Nobody asked him to. He didn't have to sign a list to do it. It just happened. While we're on this subject, let me go ahead and get on this subject. Just get everybody mad, okay? Isn't it an amazing thing that nine times out of ten when you come here that this church building's clean? Is it because you help? You say, you preach, you done got to the women now. I know it. I've been preaching to the men eight weeks. You can take a little bit. Where is your initiative? You see the grass growing and you want to talk about how bad the men are. I'm not trying to make y'all mad with me either. I'm saying initiative is missing in the modern day church. Complacency among Christian men is at an all-time high. Most of us see something that needs to be done, but that's as far as it ever goes. Right? I thought about this this morning as well. Last, I say this morning, I'm talking about after midnight, okay? I thought about David. A shepherd boy. Best we can figure, at the most, he was a teenager. When his father sent him to carry some food to his brethren. 
in battle. Lo and behold, David gets to the battle, and he finds that for 40 days there's been a standstill. Israel has been shut up in their tents, and there's an uncircumcised Philistine down at the bottom of the hill challenging the whole country, the whole nation of Israel, cursing them and cursing their God. And David said, what is going on? What in the world is taking place here? What? Goliath screamed and blasphemed God for 40 days and and, and and the soldiers stayed in their tents and none of them ever thought about answering the challenge. It was so bad that the king, the man that stood a head taller than everybody else in Israel, every other man in Israel, the king's trying to find somebody, he's going to give them his daughter if they'll just go down there and fight and whoop him. If I can just, if we, I'll give you my daughter. If I can find somebody to go and defeat old Goliath, if they, you, y'all know where he's at, I'll give him my daughter. And, and, and they all stayed in their tents, and they all were, 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 none of them were willing to answer the challenge, except David. Y'all notice that word, except? I, was, I ran over and read that last night, and I, I was thinking about gumption, or this morning, I was thinking about gumption, and, and, and David's brother mistake, mistook his gumption for gloating. He, 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 began to, he began to rebuke him, said, you young, and you've come down here, all you've come down here to do is just see a fight. And uh, David, you know what, David, if I understand things, David didn't understand why something wasn't being done. Why, why is this not, what, is, what have I now done? Listen, is there not a cause? You know what I got to, as I went back there and looked at that last night, Brother Philip, you know what I figured out and what I found out probably for the first time, I, it really come to my mind, is David never considered that God would fail him. He never once considered. That, matter of fact, he told Saul, he told the king, he said, now all I've got, my, on my record, all I've got is he's a lion and become one day, and he's a bear and come took the, a, a lamb from, and I, I sue him with my own hand. That's all I've got to say. My resume ain't long. I'm not a warrior like that, but I know that I trusted in God right there, and he was able to take care of me. <laughs> when Israel looked down the valley, they saw a huge giant. And they didn't see how they could win. When David looked down in the, in the valley, he saw a huge giant and didn't see how he could miss. It's about perception, isn't it? What, is, what, what we need today is, folks, an initiative. Who's going to do it? And, and, and boy, all we need to know is that, that God will give us the grace and God will give us the help and, and God will give us what we need. We need men. And, God's, and God, thank God for you, man. I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm one of the men here, okay? I'm preaching to me and I've preached to me before I ever preached it to you, okay? 
And don't think I've swallowed all this real easy because it's not been easy to swallow. And there's some things I've left out wanting to say because, oh, Lord, you probably would leave if it got through. God help us that we can see that our initiative needs some improvement around here. We need some, we need some initiative to get up and do and not wait on everybody else to do and not think it's somebody else's job to always do these things. How do they get done? They get done. So initiative is missing. Number three, aggressiveness and guts are declining. Man's most misunderstood quality is his God-given aggressiveness. Psalm 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teaches my hands to war, and my fingers to fight. <laughs> I can't help it. The Bible said it. There comes a time when you've got to be willing to fight. That don't mean be a brawler. Some of you thinking, no, bless God, I can fight now. You preacher didn't give me a verse. No, I didn't. But there's things worth fighting for. You know what the opposite, though, to aggressiveness is? Passiveness. I got this wrote down here. I'm going to read it. Men today get discouraged by tall grass. A dirty car. Or a rebellious teenager. They fail to attack the problem, but moan and groan about it. You know when the best time is, man, sir, to tend to the problem with a rebellious teenager? When you're holding them in your lap right now. I'm finna say something else. And I ain't saying it's because Troy, I see you got a switch stuck up back there. And I ain't saying it's because I seen your switch. But I believe a lot of us think that that switch, that decoration of a switch does miracles. We'll tote that thing around and say, boy, everybody thinks we use a switch. Woohoo! We disciplinarians. You don't go kill all the bushes around here just to tote it around for be a whatnot and an ornament in your hand. And leave it alone if you're not going to use it. And it don't need to be used occasionally. I do got my gun in my car if I need it tonight, by the way. <laughs> Brother Tane said he's got beds back there. I can use this if I need to get out of here. You see, the best time to take care of that rebellious teenager is when they're little like that and like that and like that. That's the best time to take care of them. Brother Dean's uncle, Brother Ellis Alexander, one of the best 
teachers I ever heard in my life. Brother Ellis used to say, if you don't have them conquered by seven, you've lost them. If you don't have them conquered by seven years of age, you've lost them. I'd say he was right. Today, it seems like men have become so passive that we passed everything off for somebody else to handle the situation. I know aggressive men seems to be imitating today in, in our society. The truth be known, and I'm not trying to be ugly about saying this, godly women are attracted to aggressive men. I ain't got to say amen, I believe it. Any godly woman ain't wanting no, I got to watch my, how I say things. No liberal feminist. Amen. Ain't no godly woman wanting that. But those women that are that way, the liberal feminists have uh, the brainwashed the majority of women today into thinking they don't need a man. You know what? And I understand artificial insemination has, it's needed. Like Brother Phillips' brother and sister-in-law's case, it's needed. Thank God for it. But you know what's today? The women's libras are teaching that there's no need for a man at all. Artificial insemination is up by 80% in America nowadays. Y'all know what I've even found out? I can take you to a place right now. I can take you to, to where, where a, a lesbian has been artificially inseminated so she can have a child. Don't know where the seed come from. Don't know who they are. Don't need a man. What have we gained from it? We've gained man bun wearing, flip flop wearing individuals that go out with a limp, limp wrist thinking that they're men. And that's what society sees as men. I'm going to tell you, in my day and the time that I come, come up, I got in Walmart the other day, Friday. I don't ever go to Walmart. I hate Walmart. Ever tell you all that? I hate Walmart with a passion. I don't like it. I, I wouldn't bother me none if Walmart went out of business, okay? I'm just telling you, I, I don't care about Walmart, but I had to go there the other day to get some packing stuff. And I got behind an old boy that had his little buns, and he was a walking suppressi, and he's about 420 pounds. And somebody say, that's a man? I'm not trying to be ugly, y'all, and I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm telling you a lot, America has lost its description and lost what a man is. And church, we men don't need to surrender what a real man is. We need to still have gumption to stand up. Most of them fellas have been trained like a, like a lap dog by some aggressive woman. This may be more of a, a challenge than it is a message. I don't know. But it's time for God-loving men to rise up. Say, I don't want to be the same I've been being. I want to take the initiative to be something different. Let's regain the gumption that men used to have. Fifty years ago, if they had raised a rainbow-colored flag in the gate... In the gates of the, the national uh, the national cemetery in Biloxi, Mississippi, that thing had been tore down before breakfast.
Yesterday I seen on Facebook where they were begging for people to come protest. They said the law standing here. It wouldn't have made them men no difference. If the law was standing. Those men that lay out in that cemetery, I said it this morning, I'll say it again. They didn't die for that right for that flag to fly. They didn't, they didn't die for that cause. They died for that red, white, and blue. For old glory. Amen. Ain't, hey, can I tell y'all, ain't nothing wrong with being a patriot no more either. It ought to still give a man chills when he sees that thing flying in the wind. It ought to still make you get a lump in your throat when you see her old glory waving and you think about, hey, it ought to still do something. What, what's happened to us today? Lost our gumption. We need to regain that gumption of our forefathers that blazed the trail of godliness in this country. They didn't just blaze the trail of freedom. We had some men to blaze the trail of godliness. We need to pick up our Bibles again. We need to rebuild the altars again. We need to lead our families again. We need to love our God again. I'm going to end this message just like I ended the last four or five with the same statement. Where are the men? That's what Ezekiel asked. He said he searched and he could not find a man in all of Israel to stand in the gap. Where are the men? Tonight, where are the men? Where's the men of gumption? Where's the men that'll make a difference? Where's the men that will say, I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't stand up and be different.